It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back to Buckeye Talk. I'm Nathan Baird from Cleveland.com, and I am flying solo on this Monday episode. Not really. Actually, just for a little bit at the front and a little bit at the end. In the middle, the usual three amigos setup, me, Doug, and Steven. We're going to be talking about a little revisionist history, a little look back at the first eight years of the college football playoff and how we think those seasons would have played out based on a 12-team playoff. Uh, CBS Sports had done a breakdown of the brackets. We went back and looked at those. What Ohio State might have done, would have done in those years if there had been a 12-team playoff and what that tells us about what could be coming ahead when that actually now gets initiated uh, starting in uh, after the 2024 season or for the 2024 season. Uh, but it's coming up soon. So stick around for that middle portion. I know that some of you don't like it when it's one of us flying solo, but that's just the circumstances this weekend. Steven's off, Doug's out of town, and we still did want to talk a little bit about the game and talk a little bit about what's going on nationally. So that's what we're going to do up front. I'm going to throw a couple notes at you from looking back at the Ohio State game and reading up on some things and reanalyzing some things. Middle portion, big, meaty middle portion is going to be playoff talk. And then a little bit at the end, me talking about a couple of things that happened nationally, uh, kind of a second look at those, because Steve and I did touch on some of that in the postgame pod on Saturday night. First thing, I was looking at the pro football focus grades. And I was just kind of comparing. I mean, we've talked before. Don't make too big a deal out of any one grade for a player or even a team. Look at it in the longer, the aggregate. Look at it in the wide view. But through two games, OSU has the 40th best team defensive grade in the country. And the reason I wanted to bring that up, we're going to talk a little bit later in that national part about the Notre Dame game and some things I saw there and some ways that that does give me a little bit of, I'm not going to say it gives me pause about Ohio State, but here's the the greater point that I wanted to get to. After both games, I've heard coaches, I believe, I think Ryan Day said it uh, after this game. I'm sure either he or Jim Knowles said it after the first game, or maybe it was sometime during the past week between the games, the Notre Dame game the Arkansas State game, but this this bend but don't break concept. And here's been my – the thing that's kind of stuck in my craw. It's just something I, – I, it's something that's it, – it's just sitting in the back of my mind is that, yes, there's a higher floor right now that Ohio State is setting defensively than we saw through two games last year. No question. I want to say that right up front. I think sometimes we get our messages kind of turned around. Sometimes the order that we present, the things that we're going to say is important. When I was a uh, undergrad in college and I had to do like writing workshops or creative writing workshops, you would always do um, 
tell us what you, you'd read your stories and then everybody in the room would have your story and you'd have to go through and read like what you say, what you thought was good about things. And then you would say what you thought was bad. And sometimes then that made the, it like softened the blow for the bad stuff that was coming. You got to talk about what you liked about the thing. Even if you didn't like it very much, you would have to come up with something to say about somebody's thing. Uh, who knows what, what people, whether people believed what they were saying about mine or if they were just uh, trying to make me feel better. But I'm going to do the opposite here. Um, or I'm, I'm just saying, I think sometimes the order that we say these things in sounds like we're emphasizing the bad things. That's not what we mean to do sometimes. So I'm going to say up front, absolutely. Ohio State's defense is in better shape through two games than it was last year. But absolutely, and I don't think there's any question about this, neither of these teams through two games that Ohio State has played is Oregon's offense last year. That offense had more dynamic athletes, and a, and and I think most importantly, an architect and Joe Moorhead at the top of it, the maestro who was making that happen. Like Neither of these teams had that. So this bend-but-don't-break concept a bend but don't break defense coupled with a lights out offense, which I think Ohio State has. I don't care about the little what's looked clunky at times through two games. This offense is going to put up points. This offense is going to go get it. I'm not really that worried about that. It's got the balance. It's got the quarterback. It's got the receivers. It's got receivers who aren't even playing who are going to be the receivers. So they're going to be all right. Coupling that offense with a bend but don't break defense is a Perfectly nas- perfectly viable national championship performance, plan, um, strategy, however you want to say it. It's perfectly viable for that if you're bending but not breaking against good offenses. And bending but not breaking against bad offenses is not very special to me. I think what I need to see from Ohio State is a couple, one of two things. Number one, some better offenses are coming. Uh, they're going to play Wisconsin in a couple weeks. I know Wisconsin just lost badly at home, only scored 10 points against Washington State. They are not an Ohio State offense. I'm not calling, I'm not saying because Ohio State has a good, I'm saying Ohio State has a great offense. I'm saying that Wisconsin has some good components, maybe, and especially Braylon Allen. They've got one guy on the field who can really burn you at any time. So I, I either need to see them go up against one of those offenses and do something that's kind of remarkable or, or something that just really makes a statement, or they probably need to have more of a shutdown performance across all 11 spots than they have these first two games. And I, I think, and by which I mean, just kind of a total domination effort. The first game was a little bit closer to that, but as we've seen, like Notre Dame is so bad offensively. We'll talk about that more later. So uh, again, great progress to be where they are from a year ago through two games. The The foundation is here. It's going to get even better, I think, in the coming weeks. But as we start talking about how good this defense is, it's just something that I kind of have in, in the back of my mind. Yeah, they only held Arkansas State to field goals. Um, this is not, though, the standard by which you judge how good Ohio State is, obviously. So now it's, we're still in the warm-up period. We're still in kind of the foundational period for this defense. It's unusual that they had to start off against Notre Dame. It's unusual in a lot of ways that Notre Dame's offense is so bad. I'm going to have some numbers on that later. But the foundation is being set, and I think that's what I'm still watching when I watch Ohio State football. You're watching some defense. You're watching some some nice bursts, some nice moments, some nice flashes. You're seeing some, even some consistent play 
from a couple of groups. So let's talk about that. I think the linebacker play has been really good. Steel Chambers was the defensive player of the game. He only played like 30 snaps for in this game. Uh, you know, Tymee Eichenberg still playing a full contingent. I talked after the game about how Jim Knowles is really using him as a weapon right now. And really both of them, you're seeing them come on blitzes. You're seeing them show blitzes and back off and do things in coverage. It, I, I'm not saying that that's reinventing the wheel, but you're seeing guys play downhill in this defense from that linebacker spot in a way that you weren't seeing last year. Some of that was because the personnel was – Steel Chambers was very new to the position. Cody Simon was banged up. I, I don't know that Tommy Eichenberg was being utilized to the best of his skills the way he is now. I think he's being utilized in a more Tommy Eichenberg kind of way. We saw the change of that maybe start to happen in that 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 matchup against Utah in the Rose Bowl. But Knowles has seen something in him and is figuring it out. And by the way, um, Malcolm Rodriguez, who was the the guy in the middle of that Oklahoma State defense for three years plus for Jim Knowles was playing for the Lions today and was just like thrashing people. And if he sees something similar in him, I don't know if he'll answer that. I don't know. The guys don't usually always like to compare guys like that. They like to say, well, he's his own player. So I'm going to try to maybe find a stealthy way to pull him off the side and ask him if what if he sees anything comparable there. Rodriguez used to be a safety. They're, they're different kinds of athletes. But I don't know from a mentality standpoint, from a present standpoint, Maybe there's something there. I just think the linebackers are are playing well. Uh, I think the whole front seven is playing pretty well. Um, you know, Tuomaloao and Sawyer are leading this end group in snaps, and it's not close. Sawyer's helped by being the jack, but still, it's it's a wide margin. Zach Harrison is is easily the third one there, and I think that PFF defensive grade that I mentioned before, that started this whole conversation, 40th in the country is still soft because these guys should only get better. Those two guys specifically, but I think guys across this defense should only be getting better and not in a way where we were through two games last year. We're like, well, there's nowhere to go, but up. I think this, these guys are, like I said, this is a foundational period. A, a higher foundation is being set right now than we saw through two games. And there's, there's, you're, you're building on success right now rather than needing to improve just to get up to an acceptable standard. And I think there's a chance for like exponential improvement in some cases between here and November. We still haven't really seen it's flashes from JT, JT Tumaloao and Jack Sawyer. They're, they're getting in the backfield. There've been times where they've been close. Um, But I thought James Blackman, the quarterback for, Arkansas State on Saturday was getting rid of the ball pretty quick a lot of times. His first completion, I'm not sure he had two seconds because Eichenberg was in his shoulder pads before he had even finished throwing the ball. And he still got a still got a completion out of that. I, I thought they they knew that Knowles was going to be aggressive and bring those guys with with speed and and th- that kind of timing and that they were going to have to get rid of the ball quick. I think they were doing that for the most part. You didn't see a lot of you know deep drops, holding the ball, that sort of thing. And they mixed in some, you know, um, more evasive stuff, RPO kind of stuff to to keep Ohio State off balance if they could. Um, it wasn't going to matter. I mean, this I, this wasn't probably the, the offensive approach that was going to lead to a, a bunch of sacks for Ohio State from the edge. So we were talking about that after the game, and I just wanted to bring that up. That And actually a texter had pointed out to me, and I was already, from what I had seen, thinking the same thing, that the Blackman got rid of the ball fairly quick. And uh, just not a maybe an opportunity for those guys to to tee off, but I do think those guys are going to have to 
to win more. But like I just said, I, I think it's they're they're progressing, and if if they keep playing and keep progressing, then that step could come. That that one step that they're short right now. Next time is contact. Next time is more of a hurry. Next time is um, the sack that that Ohio State is looking for. Tried to rewatch the cornerback play to see if I thought I was wrong watching it live, and I wasn't. Still pretty bad. Um, it wasn't just Denzel Burke, and he his I I'm, I commented about his PFF grade after the game. And I think his grade was actually better than it was in the first week. He got helped out by some uh, PBUs. I think he had two or three pass breakups. He had a, just an uneven game. And that's going to happen sometimes at cornerback. And that's why those guys have to have short memories. But the the lows were lower than we're usually used to seeing with Denzel Burke. So he could have like some kind of awesome game coming up this week against Toledo. And there's going to be a bunch of people coming out of the woodwork asking why the media was so down on Denzel Burke. But I think people who watch that game would understand. I think Denzel Burke would understand. There's been, it, it just hasn't been great to start the year and he's got to play better. I think uh, he would be the first to tell you that, but there were also a couple of, I, I thought Cam Brown played all right, but he took a couple of weird angles. Uh, Hancock at times looked like he was playing in a real way for the first time, which he was, I'm sorry, not Hancock, not Hancock, JK Johnson. Uh, still haven't seen Jordan Hancock. Again, just another one of those groups, though, where the baseline is higher than it was at this time a year ago. There's something to build on there. Does the progress keep happening towards November? I think only if some kind of stagnation happens is this going to be a problem for Ohio State. And switching over the offensive side of the ball real quick, um, there was one take from me after the game that was pretty bad. So, listen, it's a long day, and... Sometimes you start talking kind of extemporaneously, and as I was even saying this, I kind of wanted to just smack myself in the mouth because it was kind of a nothing thing to say about. I made some comment about how I don't really understand what Ohio State's doing with Trevor Henderson and Mayan Williams right now. And thinking more through it, watching the game, I mean, this isn't a video game, and what I'm about to say applies more to the Arkansas State game than it did Notre Dame. The Notre Dame problem wasn't necessarily the split in carries between Henderson and Williams. That was a symptom of the larger problem of, I thought, just not running the ball enough in general. The reason you want to run the ball more, especially if it's working, is because someone like Henderson, uh, in both of these guys, but Henderson to more of a degree, I would argue, I think most people would argue, Henderson to more of a degree is always like that one block away from like breaking one we saw it on the second play of the game or whatever the other day against arkansas state mitch rossi sets a good edge and he's gone he's gone it's 40 yards and now you flip the field already and that dynamic was a bigger problem against notre dame in this game uh, henderson doesn't need to play they don't need to they don't Ohio State needed very little from trevin henderson versus arkansas state they may need a lot from him in two weeks against Wisconsin. Listen, Wisconsin just lost a home to Washington State team that's unremarkable. They're 2-0 and now. They've got something started there, and this is a huge win for them, but they're not that special, and apparently neither is Wisconsin. But we still don't know for sure that Jackson Smith and Jigbo will be back for the Wisconsin game. I'm not trying to raise alarm bells. I think he probably – it's very likely that he would be back for that game, and nobody said for sure that he will be because they don't look that far ahead. And we don't know for sure. 
he's got an injury right now. It's not uh, healed enough for him to play on it. And it's a soft tissue injury where setbacks can happen. So we don't know that he'll play. I'm only bringing that up to add the second thought to it, which is now imagine you also don't have Trevon Henderson for a game like Wisconsin because of some dumb thing that happened in Arkansas State. You, you can't play scared, obviously, but I hope you get my point here. He's, he's not in bubble wrap, but splitting those carries now with Mayan Williams, number one, you're you're getting Mayan Williams involved in a way that somebody on this pod, I don't think it was me, it might have been Doug, was talking about, I think, coming into the season that you've got to keep mine Williams involved to make, keep him, keep him in at Ohio state. Like you, you wanted to keep him. Maybe I'm misremembering that, but I think, you know, some balance and some usage of him as more than just a, a spellback was probably prudent. And this was a kind of game where it was very prudent, but splitting those carries now helps ensure that Trevor Henderson is in the best shape possible when you need 20 to 25 carries against Wisconsin or Penn state or Michigan, and or and, and this is the key thing, maybe all three of those games, or another game I'm not remembering it right this second. So I'm not, I, I would retract my disbelief of how they're playing that out, they're, because in the Arkansas State game, it doesn't matter. Let them split it up however they wanted. Uh, I think that the issue at times has been more getting away from the run, and again, more of a problem against Notre Dame than I thought against Arkansas State, and if you correct that problem, that naturally is going to lead to more carries for Trevion Henderson. Um, and I do think I, I want to go back and rewatch. I didn't track this when I was looking through, but like, boy, it, it really does seem like he's the one that's more likely he'll break a long run. And then mine goes right in for him. And there's not really as much of that the opposite way. So that's why sometimes I think that the, the reps are thrown off a little bit. And actually, now that I mentioned that um, I was going to look at the snaps and I don't know if the snaps on offense will tell us because it, the game got thrown off by just how lopsided it got. Trevor Henderson, 21 snaps, mine Williams, 27 snaps. So there you go. That's one reason why the, the carries were the way they were in a game like this, but you don't need, I mean, Trevor Henderson getting 21 snaps against Arkansas state is so he can have 21 carries against Penn state and be the best version of himself. He can be in that situation. I'm not trying to like carry water for the, coaching staff, but I, I think that is common sense, really. Um, and I should have thought of it in the moment, and I didn't. So there you go. Uh, again, quickly on the PFF grades, it's really great that they get these out so fast. I don't think that always used to be the case, but we get them out pretty quick now. Um, there was only like one elite grade on the whole team, or there was even like bordering elite for this last game, and it was, no surprise, Marvin Harrison Jr. with an 87. I don't think anybody else, offense or defense, was in the 80s, including C.J. Stroud, although he was close, 79.2. Highest on defense for anybody that played significant time was Jack Sawyer and Tommy Eichenberg, both 78.2. So, again, that kind of goes back to what I was saying about the defense. Like, through two games, they haven't had somebody that, like, lit up a score like this. I mean, it's not the be-all, end-all. It's not. It's just a guide. But – when you st again, you start stacking games up where it's like multiple people grading the team at different times and looking at different things. I assume I don't know that for sure. Then it does start to mean a little something, and I think you start to see some guys um, pop up here, like and get a higher grade and get it more consistently. Um, that'll show the growth in this defense. But I'm not saying that as a way of doubting the defense. I'm saying I think it's coming. I I think this again. This is the foundation that's being laid. It's uh, I'm not looking at this defense wondering when it's all going to fall apart, which is 
what happened two games in last year, and that was the knife that we were you were kind of dancing on all season watching that team play. And that's not how I feel looking at this defense right now. So I hope that made sense. Uh, we'll talk about that more in the week ahead as we lead into this game Saturday night against Toledo. After the break, you will hear Doug begin that revisionist history discussion I was talking about of what would have happened in a 12-team playoff over the first eight years of the playoff era. You're listening to Buckeye Talk. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. So we want to talk about the playoff and what this might have been if in 2014, this started with 12 teams instead of four. Now that we are going to 12 and by 2026 at the latest, one thing that would have happened is in 2014, Ohio state fans wouldn't have been worried all year about whether Ohio state was going to make it or not. And we wouldn't have been talking about, you know, Reese Davis calling the Arca- the Virginia Tech loss uh, an albatross around Ohio State's neck. Like that whole vibe would have changed because it would have been like, and again, this is what sort of Nathan, and I've written about this and I've talked about this and, and this exercise I think is helpful for something like this. It certainly would have reduced the regular season drama. I mean, in terms of getting in, because Great programs who play good schedules and have good wins and have one loss are definitely going to get in. So we'll start with 2014. We'll work our way through all eight years of the playoff. But I think that's is right off the bat, Nathan, that is a huge difference just in you don't Ohio State going to the Big Ten title game and beating Wisconsin 59 nothing with a third string quarterback because they've got to prove themselves into the playoff like None of that would have been what people were thinking about because it just would have been like, well, is Ohio State going to be the four seed or the five seed or the six seed? That's all. Yeah, this is the this is the whole conversation about that trade off. It's like for three teams, basically like the fourth, fifth and sixth seeds, it reduces all of the drama. But then it also reduces the drama for like the seventh through 10th teams because they know they're in too. it would have reduced the drama last year for Ohio State. They would have known even if they lose to Michigan, they're going to the playoff. I wonder and- if Ohio no I wonder if Ohio State would have came out in 2014 and beaten Wisconsin 59 to nothing in a 12 team playoff because like they knew that that they had to do something of that magnitude to get in. Well, but the the buy is valuable. It is the buy is valuable. So yeah, I mean yeah. You, you will still have something to play for um, because the buy is valuable. When I and this has been laid out to be honest, we're taking this from CBSSports.com. There's not a debate here. 
right? It's not what, because the playoff rankings exist and the rules, you just apply the rules. So when you go back and look, there's not the list of what it would have been. Everybody comes up with the same list of what it would have been because it's defined. It's not subjective. It's objective. Now you can, you can ask yourself going forward, if you're voting for a 12 team playoff instead of a four team, does that affect how the committee members look? At the 11, 12, and 13 spots, does it affect how they look at the four, five, and six spots? Maybe. Okay. But we have hard numbers. So we're taking this from cbssports.com because I was going to go do it all. And I was like, oh, somebody already did it. But if you do it, it's the same thing. So I will say in the eight years of the playoff we've had so far, guys, how many times under, if it would have been 12 and we have the numbers, how many times would Ohio State have had a buy in the first round? as one of the top four seeds and how many times would Ohio state have hosted a first round game as seed five, six, seven, or eight. And how many times would Ohio state have been on the road in the first round as a nine, 10, 11, or 12 seed. And again, the top four seeds must be conference champs. So just as an example for people, if you're trying to li- this is a little bit harder to listen to Georgia last year could not have been higher than the five seed. Georgia could not host, excuse me, Georgia could not get a first round buy because you cannot get a first round buy if you are not a conference champ. So that's the what it's not just rankings for that. But then Georgia was number three, right? And so then, okay, well, then Georgia would have been the highest ranked non-champ. They, they were number five. Now, th- there's six champs that have to get in. If you're not one of the, those champs can be ranked lower. It's not that the top six seeds are all champs. It's that the top four must be champs, okay? So last year, Georgia definitely would have been the five. That's where we are with this. Nathan, in the eight years, how many times do you think Ohio State would have had a bye, would have hosted a first-round game, or been on the road in a first-round game? We already looked that they would have uh, been a first-round bye five times, and I think they would have hosted the other three times. Do you agree with that, Stephen? Yes. I also just realized how – well, I knew this already. My mouth is terrible. But yes, I agree. Thank you for sharing that. It was probably I good. Counted, yeah, I counted six at first. Mm, um, yeah. But I think I added an extra time where they actually did make the playoffs. Yeah, so that's right. So we'll just give it to you now, and then we'll talk about how it might have played out. 2014, they would have been the four seed and had a bye. 2015, they would have been the seven seed and hosted a first-round game. 2016, they would have been the five seed and hosted a first-round game. 2017, number four seed, bye. 2018, number four seed, bye. 2019, number two seed, bye. 2020, number three seed, bye. And last year, they would have been the seven seed and hosted a first-round game, okay? So that's where we would have gotten. Now let's talk about how it might have worked out. In 2014... They actually were the four seed. They edged out both Baylor and TCU, which will make Baylor and TCU fans mad until the end of time. In this alternate universe, they have a they have a bye. Baylor would have been the five seed. Baylor would have played the 12. And then you almost certainly, Nathan, would have been looking at Ohio State Baylor as a quarterfinal as a four-five. Again, that game would not be on a campus site. That would be at a bowl site. At the very least, Nathan, like you would have eliminated the controversy because it would would have been five Baylor versus 12 Boise state in the first round. You give that one to Baylor. You would have found out. 
So all the people, like all the Baylor fans who were like, oh, Ohio State, they have a reasonable case. I The 12-team playoff, I think, is pretty darn good when the four spot was particularly controversial. I'm not sure it was ever more controversial than it was the very first year of the playoff. So you get this 4-5 Ohio State-Baylor. That's always been, for if you're a proponent of the playoff, I think it's always been a big part of the argument is that let those teams prove it. Whether you're talking about Baylor and TCU in 2014, whether you're talking about, I don't even know, IU in 2020, like put them on the field and let's see what happens. Do you think that would have been better or worse? It's, it's, it's the hard thing about this. I think in the end, we have to try to come to a conclusion. Steven, better or worse, four-team or 12-team for Ohio State in 2014? And some of this is going to be obvious. Like, what do you mean? They, in the four-team, they made it and they won the national championship. How could the 12 yeah, teams be, be better? Yes, but, that's worse. So I think it's clearly worse. But, but all it would have done is add – what I think would have been a rather winnable game for Ohio state. And then they would have gone to play number one seed Alabama in the semifinal anyway. So you're adding one game against Baylor. Baylor had Corey Coleman, who was a good fast receiver. I think Bryce Petty was the quarterback that year. You know, Baylor was, was pretty highly ranked offensively in 2014 on the football outsiders meter. They had the seventh best offense in the country. They had the 31st best defense. Ohio state had the second best offense and the 15th best defense. So of course you're giving a team that won the national title, Steven, excuse me, Nathan, I want to go to you on this. You're giving a team that won the national title one extra game, but I don't think it changes the course of history. Actually, I think you get where you're, you got anyway. Maybe not because that team was peaking at the right time, but I will say what's the number one reason why Ohio state won the national championship that year. I would, I mean, I, you were there because from the Michael, outside looking at Michael Thomas yeah. threw a touchdown pass to Evan Spencer. No, I don't know. Well, I was going to say, because Ezekiel, Ezekiel Elliott, Elliott decided he was yeah, the best running he, back in the, on the planet. Yeah. Ezekiel Elliott got that little star from super Mario brothers and just couldn't be tackled for a while. And now if you, you push a game out with the buy, you're extending the season one more game. Like, does he keep that invincibility that he seemed to be running with for that extra round? I don't know. I think that's worth asking. So, so here's the other thing that I think we have to talk about, but it's also impossible to talk about. Yeah. We know what happened. Right. So, of course, the four team is better. But what if they made the playoff by one vote? What if they made it 7-6 in that room? If you're Ohio State, would you rather let your chances of winning the national title come down to the vote in the room which was certainly close. There are definitely people in that room who voted for Baylor or TCU, okay? It wasn't unanimous that Ohio State's the four seed. Would you rather leave it to a vote that you did win or would you rather do it on the field and say, we're in, let us take care of Baylor? Because, Stephen, if Ohio State loses that vote, seven six eight five, another way, we're standing here saying, I mean, what do you use? Of course they take the 12 because they're in. They could have beaten Baylor. Ohio State, would the way they were playing late in the year, they would have taken their chances against Baylor every day of the week. So we have to live by what happened, which is it worked out perfectly for Ohio State. But if you try to step back slightly, if you said, if you said after they, if you, after they beat Wisconsin and before they vote on, before the vote, Sunday morning, if you had said to Urban Meyer, right now, Urban, you pick. Do you want a four-team playoff or a 12-team pick right now? What would he have picked in that moment? He'd probably pick 12 just because, you know, why are your chances? 
and also leave it up to the players on the field. Now, if you were a locked in two or three seed, you'd say it's four. different. Yeah, it's different. Right? But in, in their position where it's like, as you said, seven, six, it is more you're more when you're on the edge, you're more likely to say, let me decide it and not some people in a room. But also, I mean, just because the whole point of this is trying to march madness it up a little bit. I mean, what if Baylor loses to Boise State? No, I know. I mean, well, you can what if I mean, like, I, I know, I'm just trying to have some fun. Get, get back to me when the 12 beats the five. But I, know. I mean, but then again, okay, well, then, then Boise State wins and then Ohio State beats Boise State by like 80. So yeah. um, I, I think, Nathan, we have to at least think about that a little bit, Nathan, because, again, the reason this exercise is so interesting for Ohio State, as I have said a million times before, and everybody knows the deal, no team has lived on the edge of the playoff more than Ohio State. So they are the most affected by this. So in the end, yes, the vote is it's the four team, but I, maybe that should be the vote. On the morning before the poll was released, the head coach of Ohio State had said, give me four, give me 12. In the end, they would have taken four. The morning of the vote, they would have taken 12. Nathan, what do you think about how we try to work this out? Well, this maybe doesn't apply to that question, but you did an exercise at the, the playoff uh, where they brought the media members down, right? And, and it concerned the 2014 bracket, right? You kind of like recreated the 2014 bracket through the process that they did. And I thought, so if it was a 12-team bracket, do you still think Ohio State would have been the four seed instead of Florida State? Would Ohio State have been the three seed potentially is what you're right. saying? Because Florida, Florida State, State maybe would have gone down to five just because they were playing so bad. No, but they still were the ACC. They're the undefeated ACC yeah. champ. They're the undefeated ACC champ. I don't think yeah. it would have changed the vote that much. That you're putting both Baylor and Ohio State ahead of them and making Florida State play a first-round game. Because what they weren't going to do is leave out the undefeated national champ. They weren't going to leave them out. Would you have made them play an extra game? Because you are so have so many questions about I was just thinking how Ohio good State, they really Florida are. State. I was just thinking the Ohio State-Florida State swap more than bumping Baylor all the way up. Yeah. I mean, I really do think it's – I think Ohio State was closer to Baylor than it was to Florida State, I think. So, in the end, I guess – Maybe we don't have to decide this. Maybe we'll just talk it out and let everybody think, oh, that was an interesting discussion or not an interesting discussion because they won the national title. What are you doing? So I do think on the morning of Urban would have said, give me 12 because we'll, we'll win it on the field. I believe in our do. team on the field. Because the thing that's happened to Ohio State is their biggest issue has been getting it a lot of the time. Go ahead, Steve. Yeah, and um, to that point a little bit, we've done a lot of like tears stuff with programs and – before 21, it was Clemson and Bama. Maybe they're in a tier, and then Ohio State's leading the next tier. And now it's Georgia and Bama. And maybe Ohio State's still leading the next tier. Ohio State might just be – we probably wouldn't have had those conversations as much with Ohio State had this been a 12-team playoff because they would have been the only program who would have been in every playoff. Mm. Well, Bama would have been in every one. No, Bama missed, would have missed 20. They, missed one. they weren't in hurt. the top 12? They weren't because like Tua got hurt and then you know what they yeah, finished. No, the year? top uh not like sure what they finished, but the top uh the the five through twelve were Georgia, Oregon, Baylor, Wisconsin, Florida, Penn State, Utah, and Memphis. And Memphis okay. and Oregon were the other two conference champs. Okay, because that's the year they lost to LSU and then Tua got hurt. Yeah, so, yeah. Okay. Um 2015. This is obviously probably the most important one. Ohio State would have been the seven seed. They would have hosted 10 seed North Carolina. And then had they beaten North Carolina, they would have played two seed Bama. And Bama won the national title that year. Bama won the national title with Derrick Henry. 
winning the Heisman. Jake Coker was their quarterback. They had Calvin Ridley. They had a really good defense, of course. They beat Clemson 45-40, the national title game. North Carolina that year, it's before Mitch Trubisky. Mitch Trubisky is the backup. Marquise Williams is the starter. Uh, it's a bunch of it's like Bug Howard and like Ryan Switzer and stuff. It's like a bunch of okay guys. UNC like lost their opener and ran the table that year and then lost to Clemson in the ACC title game. So they would have been the 10 seed. Ohio State would have beat them. I don't, there's not even like worth a discussion of like Ezekiel Elliott, Joey Boat. So as a seven seed, but Nathan, what you would have got is instead of the defending national champs being out, you would have had a quarterfinal game with them rematching with Alabama. So you know who doesn't want this? You know who's banging the drum for the 14 playoff in 2015? Nick Saban. Yeah. Nick Saban's like, we're the two, and we get a we get a, a quarterfinal against Ohio State. Like, this is what opens up, Nathan, because like the team that's much lower seated than it, than its talent, this is a nightmare scenario for Bama, is it not? 2-7? It's at Bama. No, it's not at Bama. It's a neutral site, 2-7, but Bama, they just didn't have to deal with this. And instead, we would have gotten what – a, what a great game this would have been, Nathan. Yeah, because instead, I mean, if you look at it the way it actually played out, Alabama's semifinal game was Michigan State and then the Clemson-Oklahoma winner for the championship. Like, right. And now, I mean, Michigan State beat Ohio State that year, so whatever. But the, you, you, to add another game against Ohio State onto what is already a challenge like that, yeah, it's uh, it's not an easy road. And that's the thing I think that some Ohio State fans are, are struggling with because they know that there are seasons that that applies to them too. So do you want – all the years where you would have gotten in when you aren't right now are a little bit mitigated by the years where the years you are getting in, it's a tougher road. It's tough for Bama. I think Ohio state might win that game. Uh, I think Ohio state might win the national championship. I mean, if you, if you think they can win this game. Now here's the question then is like, yeah. Yeah. I think they might win. I mean, they won the national title. Now they have to beat Deshaun. So listen, that's my, that's the thing. It's like getting Deshaun a year earlier when you still have Zeke. It's like, no, it's like, but you still have Zeke in your backfield. So you still have an offense. 2015 Ohio state is so much better than 2016 Ohio state. It's like they're from different planets. And again, the idea that 15 missed it and 16 made it. This is not a 31, nothing Ohio state Clemson game Mm -mm. because it also took it, it. It took the loss for Ohio state to figure it out. They lose to Michigan state. They go to the run game. They're underdogs against Michigan the next week. They blow Michigan off the field. Zeke runs for 214. JT Barrett runs for 139. They go play Notre Dame in a bowl game, handle Notre Dame. Joey Bosa gets kicked out early, but it doesn't matter. Zeke runs for 149. JT runs for 96. They wouldn't have had that Devin Smith Cardale passing game against Alabama. And Alabama had a much better quarterback because Blake Sims in 2014 was the worst Bama quarterback probably in the last 25 years. Jake mm-hmm. Coker is not Tua. He's not Bryce Young, but he's a step up from Blake Sims. And by the way, Bama would have figured out, hey, run Derrick Henry, which they forgot to do in the semifinal. This is a better Bama team, clearly better Bama team in 15 than 14. But Ohio State's just as good. I think Ohio State, they don't have Devin Smith, but they're basically just as good. And they finally figured it out a little bit after they lose to Michigan State. It's a tough ask, but it's a great game. It, it's not a guarantee, but Steven, I mean, the whole point is at least they would have gotten a shot. They would have gotten a home game, which everybody yeah. would have loved against North Carolina. And then let's go take our shot against Bama. That's the, yeah. And if you do get a situation where maybe they're back-to-back national championship titles, is Ryan Day here in 2017? 
I know it's oh, two I years later. Know. Yeah. But I, it's like you're back to back national champions. And one of them was with Herman here. The other one is when Herman's not here. And maybe yeah. you just chalk up 2016 to uh, it's a rebuilding yeah, year. We're, we're, we, got, we're, we don't want to we don't want to Buckeye fly effect this too much. I, know. I think we want to talk about what would have happened in the playoff. Where we're going to have a nine hour podcast that year. Football Outsiders rankings. Bama had the number 22 offense and the number one overall defense. Even with Derrick Henry, they had number 22 offense. Clemson lost the national title game. Number 13 offense, number eight defense. Ohio State, number 17 offense, number four defense, right? And Clemson and Alabama destroyed their semifinal opponents. Nathan, mm-hmm. there were three good teams that year. Two of them played for the national title, and the other one was Ohio State. And in this scenario, Ohio State at least gets a shot. Now, you can't, you can't assume the repeat because you're going to end up having to go through Bama and Clemson to get there. But at least they would have had a shot. And I think this entire exercise, Nathan, in the end, it comes down to if you, if you really like the 12 team, it, it gives a team like the 15 Ohio State team a shot. Yeah, and as it applies to that team, like you, I think, would have the better. I mean, you seem to be saying that you think because it was a team that couldn't get out of its own way a little bit. Of those three really good teams, mm-hmm. Ohio State was the one that couldn't get out of its own way. It was in its and own looked head. bad during the right. regular season. Yeah. yeah, right. And so, if you think it all comes down to whether you think the Michigan State game woke them up and fixed it, if it did, then I think you're right. But if not, then if some of that other stuff is a little bit cosmetic, then they're probably not beating Bama in that quarterfinal because they're still just the team that can't get out of its own way. 2016, this is the year that Ohio State got in as the non-Big Ten champ. They lose to Penn State in the regular season. They don't even make the Big Ten title game, but they are the three seed in the playoff. Penn State, as a two-loss Big Ten champ, Penn State beats Wisconsin in the Big Ten championship game, does not get in as the Big Ten champ. They wind up as the number five overall team. In this scenario, Ohio State's the five seed because Penn State's the four seed here because Penn State's the the champ. Ohio State can't be a top four seed because they didn't win the Big Ten. So their seed goes down. In 16, instead of being the three, they would have been the five. And that's five. You know what would have been coming to Ohio Stadium in the first round? Rowboats. You're getting Western Michigan and P.J. Fleck, five versus 12. Western Michigan undefeated that year, plays Wisconsin in the Cotton Bowl, gets a New Year's Six Bowl. Pretty competitive, but you would have gotten P.J. Rowan here. And then Ohio State would have won that game. Then you get in the four or five. You get Penn State. So you get a rematch, Stephen, of the game that Ohio State lost in the regular season. And then we get to settle, well, who's really better? I thought that whole year Penn State should have gotten in ahead of Ohio State. And then Penn State goes to the Rose Bowl, loses to Sam Darnold and USC, but competes like crazy. Ohio State gets embarrassed against Clemson. Western Michigan and then a rematch with Penn State. I don't know, Stephen. That's a pretty good outcome. And I think Ohio State fans might take that over 31-0, which kind of was an embarrassment to the Buckeyes. This exercise is only fun for Ohio state because for everybody else, it's some combination of, I have to play Ohio state again after we already beat them and prove it again when it was already hard to do it the first time, or it's, we didn't have to deal with them. And now you want us to deal with them. Well, but listen, but Penn state's in, but if you're Penn state, would you rather, not get in the playoff or have to play Ohio state in your first game of the playoff. Like it's not, yes, Penn state would have to play Ohio state again, but instead they went to the Rose bowl against USC and didn't even get to get in. So, I mean, like I, Nathan, I think, I think both Ohio state and Penn state would prefer 12 team to 14 in this year. 
Oh yeah. I mean, and Penn state has still never made the playoff. So this yeah. would have been the one year yeah. that they really probably deserve to get in. It is worth mentioning here too, that like, unlike the NCAA basketball tournament where they make some adjustments to a, try to avoid conference rematches. They do not do that here. The way they're setting it up here is the way that they talked about it last week, that it's just whatever the seed is, they're not making, they're not reseeding anything and they're not taking conference affiliations into account. And it's going to come up in some other years that we're looking at too, that there's a very quick right back into big 10 play. And if you would have gotten chalk in the first round games, if the higher seeds win them all, this would have been the quarterfinals. Number one, Bama, number eight, Wisconsin, number two, Clemson, number seven, Oklahoma, Number three, Washington. Number six, Michigan. Number four, Penn State. Number five, Ohio State. So half the quarterfinals would have been Big Ten. And I also don't know. Look at the look at those four games. Like, how did people not see this as a license to print money in 2016? <laughs> Why are yeah, we like, still yeah. don't have a 12 team playoff or an 18 yeah, playoff now? Is is negligence? That Washington Michigan game even got some intrigue, especially looks, that year. I mean, that's all major powers. Yeah, to some extent on the spectrum playing for the quarterfinals of this playoff. I mean, yeah. just just that should have been the straw that broke the camel's the back. Looking at that, and go look at this billions left on the table because we want to stick with four. And, and that's a Michigan team, right? They lose on the spot. Yep. And double overtime to Ohio State. And they get in. Sues the wound mm. a little bit. Right. Because guess what? Was Michigan a good enough team to play in a playoff game that year? Absolutely. But again. That spot game loses a little bit of juice if you both make the playoff. As Imagine Ohio was- State and Michigan rematching each other, and that's all anybody's talking about is Jim Harbaugh's like picture of him showing the spot. So, I mean, the thing that the thing that I am having trouble with, because I go back and forth, it depends the context of the discussion I'm having. I like the 12-team playoff. Bottom line, I'm pro 12-team playoff. But every now and then when I think about how the results of regular season games just wouldn't matter as much, I get not apprehensive, but I get a little bit like, well, that's something you're losing, but, but it wouldn't take away from the game, right? That like one second mm-hmm. after, like while they're measuring for the spot, I don't think either urban Meyer or Jim Harbaugh would have been thinking, well, you know what? We're both, we're both going to make the playoff anyway. Who cares whether he made it or not. Right. It both, it's still in the moment and everybody in the stadium, I think Nathan would have felt the same way. I don't think anybody would have been like, oh, JT made it. Well, I didn't even really care. It's just receding because you're, you're just wrapped up in the game mm-hmm. and games matter. And again, it's we're looking at this a very Ohio State lens and Ohio State's always been on the cusp so that those regular season games have meant a lot. But there's other teams like I don't know what Colorado and Florida State's seasons looked like in 2016, but regular season games that they played all of a sudden take on a much greater magnitude because it's deciding whether you get in the playoff or not. So when you look at it from a countrywide spectrum, those things negate each other. Like, yes, Ohio state, the consequences weren't as great for a loss that they took, but there's another team out there that their whole season meant a whole lot more because now they're in the playoff. All right, let's do 2017. This is another one huge effect on Ohio state, 2017 big 10 champs, but don't get in the playoff. Two regular season losses, one to Oklahoma and one to Iowa. Don't get in. Day of, I thought they were in. I That's the one where I was watching. We were in the team room at Ohio State, watching the results come up on the board. And when they got to the four seed, I thought it was going to say Ohio State, and it didn't. It said Alabama. Alabama, which did not even play in the SEC championship game, just like Ohio State in 16. It's not even that you lose your championship game. You don't even make it. 
So Bama's the four, Ohio State's the five in real life. In this scenario, Bama can't be the four because they didn't win its conference. So Ohio State's the four. That sets up this 5-12 game. Bama versus the UCF undefeated team that claimed a fake national title. Just for the chance to Bama to shut down that conversation is enough for me to want this 12-team playoff. Scott Frost, cram it. But this Here's your fake trophy. Yeah. You say you're in favor of the 12 team, but I can remember uh, sitting in a car with you recording a pod after I'd first started here. So we're talking about 2019 and you were not in favor of playoff expansion. And I would think that this matchup might've been, this matchup might've been your gleaming reason why you did not want any part of a 12 team playoff. Well, like, I don't think UCF, like, I I don't think those teams like have to get in the playoff, right? Like the idea of like, you have to have a playoff big enough for undefeated UCF. It's like, no, you don't. But now I've come around and I'm like, oh, you here, you want it? Is this what you want? Is this what you want? Take it. Now I'm, oh, kid, oh, you find your 12-year-old smoking a cigarette? Smoke a whole pack. Here's Scott Frost. Put the whole pack in your mouth. Nick Saban's in behind the, behind the, in the alley behind the house. Oh, you what think is this, this is cool? Analogy? You want to be cool, Scott? Oh, you want to be cool? You think you look cool now with your fake trophy and your cigarettes? Smoke it. So then you, Bama wins 52 nothing, and then we don't have to have these conversations anymore. So, but what it gets you here is Ohio State, Stephen, didn't get in. It was Bama, Ohio State controversy, because guess what? Bama got in as the four and won the national title. Yeah. So Ohio State gets its shot. I don't know how it would have gone. Like, this is the, this is, uh, this is like a pretty interesting Bama team. Um, this is the take Jalen Hurts out and put in Tua yeah. to beat Georgia at halftime team, but they have Damian Harris. They have, Calvin Ridley, they have Minka Fitzpatrick leading the defense. This is pretty good, Bama. And this is Ohio State, right? First year of Ryan Day calling the plays, but it's still JT Barrett at quarterback. It's it's a little, it's JT, it's, you know, it's J.K. Dobbins. It's a true freshman running back. It's it's some some interesting stuff. I don't know if Ohio State would have beaten Bama, but the fact, Stephen, that we would have gotten Ohio State Bama at four or five, and you settle it there rather than settling it in the committee room. Pretty attractive. It would have been interesting, especially because, like, you got the two 2017 recruiting classes, number one and number two one, and Bama had started playing those two freshmen in the playoffs. Other than just, like, Najee Harris was playing. Um, Devontae Smith is the person who caught that touchdown pass from Tua in that national championship game. So it's like you're seeing those guys emerge, and – Ohio State's 2017 guys, other than J.K., aren't really emerging the same way just because, I mean, Chase Young is stuck behind Bosa in that line, and Jeff Okuda is stuck behind some guys as well, so it's just a different dynamic. I don't know if that would have been pretty, but it would have been an interesting lead-up. And listen, this is, as you said, this is Nick Bosa, Sam Hubbard, Tyquan Lewis, Jalen Holmes' defensive line. You let those guys get after Jalen Hurts and see what happens. Mm-hmm. Like, this is an interesting Ohio State team that lost two regular season games, but I – you know, I thought was going to get in. So I don't know. I don't think this was a national championship quality Ohio State team, but it was a weird year because this was the Kelly Bryant Clemson year. They're the one seed, but it's Kelly Bryant. And then it's Baker Mayfield in Oklahoma should have beaten Georgia in that semifinal and didn't. And then Georgia with a true freshman, Jake Fromm, is playing Jalen Hurts, who gets taken out for Tua. Ohio, 2017 Ohio State was not as good as 2015 Ohio State. But in a year without a dominant team, puncher's chance, 
I would. I'm not sitting here saying. I'm not saying, hey, Ohio State would have won the national title in 2017 if they got in. But I think they would have had a shot. I don't think it would have been impossible. How good was that Wisconsin team that would have been maybe playing Georgia in a quarterfinal that year? Yeah, I mean, like they they're like a good, a better Taylor. Like one of the best versions of what Wisconsin always is. And like, does that travel? Does that travel against an SEC team? I would have major questions about that. But same um, as same as when they play Ohio State on a yeah, you know, yeah. fast neutral I think field. Yeah. Ohio State could have beaten Georgia and Clemson just because of what those quarterbacks did to, even with Prom winning a national almost winning a national title. Bama and Oklahoma. I mean, they showed they couldn't beat Oklahoma. Baker Mayfield came to Columbus and planted a flag in the middle of the state stadium. But yeah, that's almost a you almost wish they would have drew a better matchup in round one and given themselves a better chance at this. So, uh, so that would have been that. At least Ohio State gets in. You, get, you would have settled. Guess what we're finding, by the way, in the twelve-team playoff. Ohio State and Bama play a lot, right? So yeah. far in this imaginary world, we would have had a two-seven Ohio State Bama and a four-five Ohio State Bama. Yeah. Who thinks that's fun? All right, twenty eighteen. Ohio State does not get in. They once again are the Big Ten champs, uh, and they once again are left out in real life. Um, but because Notre Dame got in, and I was kept waiting for Notre Dame to lose, and Notre Dame never lost. But in this scenario, as a conference champ, they're the four seed. They they go from not in. They were the six seed this year in real life. They go from not in to a bye. So they get a bye, and they would play the winner of number five, Notre Dame, and number 12, Penn State. Number 12, Penn State, who they had to rally against in state college, throwing a bunch of screens in the fourth quarter with Dwayne Haskins to win that game. This is this incredibly faulty, Nathan, Ohio State defense that we know all about. Notre Dame is not great. Notre Dame actually gets in as a three seed and loses its semifinal to Clemson 30 to three. So Notre Dame, Penn State, I think Penn State actually maybe would have had a chance in that game. But either way, I think Ohio State, as as imperfect as that Ohio State team is, I think they have a pretty good chance against either Notre Dame or Penn State as the 5-12, which then would have gotten them in to a, a semifinal against number one Alabama. <laughs> so it's like, so again, this would have been much preferred to Ohio State compared to you don't make it, you go to the Rose Bowl, beat Washington in, in Urban's last year. Well, just how differently would we maybe be looking at Ohio State and Alabama if there'd been a 12-team playoff because Ohio State could have been the roadblock to some of those Alabama championships. Now, maybe they would have just gotten flattened and we would look at it in, in an even more disparity, right? But if Ohio State just peel, picks off one of those championships, even if even if they don't go on to win the championship, if they just like f- knock Bama aside here or there, then it changes a little bit how you look at college football right now. Because right now, Alabama is on this pedestal and Ohio State is the next tier down. I think this one is interesting just because I think we've had this discussion before about what Trevor Lawrence did to Alabama in that national championship game with that passing offense. Could Dwayne Haskins have done the same thing to Bama that year? Clemson's defense was also really good and Ohio State's was horrible that year. So that's like, that is a tough discussion. So it had been a 45 to 42 win for somebody like it was for Clemson and Alabama. But the idea of like, could Alabama, could, could Ohio State turned into a track meet against Bama. Just because I of just that give Dwayne a shot. 
Yes. That was sort of like the whole thing. Like, I don't think it would be good enough. I don't. But I would have liked to see him try. That's the deal with that 18 team. And I don't think it would have happened. I'm, I actually, I don't think it would have happened. But if Nick Bosa knew he was coming back for a playoff game, I don't know. I mean, would he have come uh, back? I don't, well, if Probably I remember from like how he was talking at the combine, he didn't even really get fully cleared until like February. So, so, I mean, you know, yeah, the playoff, the national title game is going to be like the last weekend of January in a 12 team playoff. So anyway, I, I'm just saying, yeah, I, know. Uh, I, I don't think Ohio state, but again, in an imperfect year, it's like, well, if true freshman Trevor Lawrence could do it now. That was like a great fun to defense. That really is, is quite a difference. Let's briefly pause on this. Nathan, you presented the idea of how things would look different. If Ohio state, which is constantly playing Bama in this world could have swiped one or two. What if Ohio State is constantly playing Bama in this world and constantly losing and constantly looking like a team that is definitely not as good as Alabama? They beat them in 2014 because Blake Sims was a pretty bad quarterback for a great team, and they got away from Derrick Henry, and Ezekiel Elliott went, went bonkers. But that's starting to look more and more like a blip because now we've created a scenario since 2014. At this point, Ohio State and Bama – have not played again, right? They don't play again until the 2020 national title game. They potentially might have lost three games to Bama in the playoff now in this world. What if that would have happened? How would that change our opinion of Ohio State football? I think it's a great question because do you want to be the team that's getting there and losing or the team that's not there but can like argue that you're supposed to be there but you don't take any of the, the downside of losing a game? Um, but I think we've also seen a couple of these years where we think they would have had a chance, like, especially in 2015, like, you know, it, it's not like yeah. they didn't belong on the field. And there were some years where they got in the playoff in like 2016, they didn't belong on the field with even Clemson. So, you know, I, I, I still think it would have been a, a net positive. I think if you find a way just to compete in those games, let alone win them, you're proving yourself and probably closing the gap with Alabama a little bit, as opposed to just not even getting in. In a world where Ohio State keeps going up against Bama and losing, I don't know if Urban Meyer makes it to 2018 just because of his own mental sanity. Mm. It's like, I had to deal with you when I was at Florida, and now I got to deal with you up here? Uh, yeah, I don't know. Because the way it is now in a 14 playoff, Ohio State – I mean, 2016 is an exception. I guess theoretically it should be, but Ohio State only has only faces Bama and Clemson and teams like that when they're really good. But in a 12-team playoff, you may get a pretty decent but not great version of Ohio State that has to go play a team like that. And 2016, like what if you get a couple more versions of 2016? Because frankly, they backed in in 2016. They didn't deserve to be there. They weren't good enough to be there, and they but got in because they 16, won two games if, early in the year. But if 16, 17, and 18 had all been like that in back-to-back to back years. You're tripling the pain of 31 to nothing against the teams that you think in your head you're holding yourself against as the standard. We're on their tier. It's Bama, Clemson, and Ohio State. We're right there. And then it's like 31 nothing, 31 nothing, 31 nothing, and it's like, oh. Now, I'm not saying it would have been that, right? But this is just – because I will tell you, Two points. One is I hate being afraid of losing in a big game. Make it, take your shot. 
but there are not, there are some fans who, who don't want that. There are fans who sometimes will say, I'm glad we didn't make it because Ohio state would have gotten killed. Go beat Washington in a bowl game. I like that better. There are some fans who think that way. And the other one of these is I covered the people listening were fans of an Ohio state team that two consecutive years was the second best team in the country and couldn't beat SEC teams in the championship game. And they did not like that very much. Being the second best team and finishing your season with SEC losses didn't go over great. So if we are now, what are you creating in the 12 team playoff? A lot of years where your season ends with a loss to an SEC team. They did not like that. Well, but what do you want to be? Either, either you, I know, but, but, but the the point is what, what changes really quickly is what changes is the years where you have that little high of, we beat USC in the cotton bowl. We beat Washington in the Rose bowl. That's replaced with a quarterfinal or semifinal loss. In the end, you've got to go take your shot against a great team in the national championship game to ever win a national championship. You're right. But you're increasing the, the chances where a good but not great team finishes a season with a loss because they got into a playoff that they wouldn't have otherwise gotten into. But, but I do think there is a difference between losing to an SEC team and a championship game and then losing to an SEC team and you look like you don't belong. And that's the world that Ohio State lived in in those back-to-back national championship games. And it's the world that Lincoln Riley was living in at Oklahoma. He would get in and look like he didn't belong. I don't. I mean, you're never okay with losing, but if it's competitive, it's less of a headache and less of this thing that's depressing. No, I know. We're assuming, we're assuming it would be competitive. Now, now we're assuming that when they get in, they're always competitive, that 18 Ohio State no, with but a I don't think, horrible defense would have been competitive no. with an SEC team. I don't know. That one's interesting. As we said earlier, give Dwayne a shot. We'll see what happens. I do. I just, I'll lean more toward the, being competitive versus like the 31 to nothing that 2016 was. So anyway, I, I'm again, I'm all for it. Great. I've come around on it for sure. Oh. I've absolutely come around on it. Give me the 12 team playoff. It's more frustrating in my mind for Ohio state to be on the edge of making it and not making it. We're just, Nathan, we're just trying to prepare people for these opportunities. Cause what's going to happen is it's not going to be all great teams, right? You're going to get yep. in when you're only very good. And that might mean every now and then like losing a, a quarterfinal game instead of winning a bowl but, game. So, I mean, that, that's yeah, all. It's, it's kind of putting your money where your mouth is. And like, if, if, if you're worried about that game, then don't ever send us a text complaining about sec bias. Cause right. you're the one with the sec yep. bias. Yeah. Right. You don't even want to be so, on the field with them. So, but, and I think, I think people will take it and it's great. And I, I'm not, I'm just trying to think about the full picture as we meander our way through this. That's all. Cause I'll take, I would take it as a fan every single time. They were pretty happy walking off the field at the Rose bowl after beating Washington. I mean, really Washington. Yeah, yeah. Are you serious? But that's not what they were thinking. They had roses in their mouths and Urban was hugging Shelly and Dwayne was walking off the field like a hero. And it's that versus, oh, we lost to an SEC team in the quarters, right? That's all. That's all. Think about it. I'll take, I'll take the loss because you got a shot. What are you doing if you don't even have a shot? 2019, they were the two seed. They would have been the two seed. All it does is add a game. So you have to play one extra game before you get to that 2-3 matchup against Clemson. It would have been against the winner of number seven Baylor versus number 10 Penn State. So 2019, like 
I don't think Stephen 2019 Ohio State has a problem with either Baylor or Penn State in that game. They Penn, they played Penn State that year, and it was like a little bit weird. And Justin got hurt at the end, but Ohio State was clearly a better team. Yeah, 2019 was one of those years where the three best teams in the country were pretty obvious. So it still comes down to you know Chris Olave breaking off a route against Clemson. You just have to wait an extra game to see it. Yeah, the is there anything about thing, yeah? Yeah, ahead, the only Steve. tricky thing is 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 having to play an extra game with Fields being banged up. Yeah. yeah. Yes. So you add a little bit extra of that, but probably doesn't change all that much. And 2020. Been, Go ahead. Let's just say I've been thinking about 2019 a lot recently for some reason and how like there's a version of that Clemson semifinal that where they score like 24, 28 points in the first half. Like if they finish off those drives. And then I start yeah. thinking like, well, if it goes back to a discussion we were having on the Thursday pod, which is would Ryan Day have had the discipline to beat that LSU defense the way it might have been beatable, to run the ball, shorten the possessions, the way Notre Dame was trying to beat Ohio State last week? I don't know. I think it's an interesting mm. thought. I think LSU still wins. I think LSU was that, just that year, good. Yes, because like as I mentioned on that pod, that's the year where he gave J.K. Dobbins the ball 301 times. And also, he's got Chase Young and Jeff Okuda. So it's maybe a little bit easier for him to be okay doing that, especially if Justin Fields is, you know, hurt. Yeah, I mean, the whole thing about 2019 is it would have been fun to see Ohio State take its shot against LSU. Yes. And because they didn't beat Clemson, they didn't get a chance to do that. I think there's a decent chance they would have competed with LSU better than that Clemson team did. But I don't think the 12-team changes much about how that playoff unfolds in the end. It just – it does – you're adding – speed bumps to everybody but most of the time when you hit get to a speed bump you just drive over it and you keep going you slow down for like three seconds so i just think that's probably this is a year where the extra round just slows everybody down for three seconds 2020 they're the three seed they would have had to play the winner of get this the 6 11 game between texas a&m and indiana <laughs> what a weird year that was texas a&m thought it should have made the playoff that's when the SEC was saying, like, the Big Ten, they played, like, four games. What are we doing here? How is Ohio's – so Texas A&M was trying to make a playoff claim that year. Kellen Mond, like, a decent a decent quarterback. They've got Isaiah Spiller at running back. They have, they have a couple guys. I think, Nathan, like, maybe Texas A&M gives, gives Ohio State a game there um, and then interrupts the chance for that Ohio State-Clemson semifinal. But I think Ohio State would have been favored in that game, and I still think they would have beaten Texas A&M. I, I, I hate to do this, but like it's 2020 is just the impossible one to try because we don't know who was going to be playing that week, which players were mm-hmm. physically going to be available to play the game that week just because of what COVID was doing. And obviously Alabama was the better team that year. But like, when was the last time Ohio State got to be in the playoff with its best to go up against a potential like super team with its best shot is like 2014 against Alabama, which I don't think that Alabama team was a super, super team, but like, you know what I'm saying? Like Ohio state at like full strength and not like an accidental playoff team getting to like go up against another great team. Like they didn't get the chance at LSU. They didn't that 2020 team was compromised. They didn't get to do it last year. They didn't make the playoff. Like it's been a while since they've really been able to like take their very best shot. Too. Yeah, because even 2014, it's like you're playing your third string quarterback. It worked, but like it shouldn't have. So it's 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 02. I'll say this. Um, I get it, Texas Hanum, whatever, man. Indiana gave Justin Fields fits and killed his Heisman campaign. I'm not gonna sit here and 
dismiss them doing the same type of frustrations to Kellen Mond. And then it's just a rematch and Justin Fields trying to redeem himself. Now I'm out. I, I, no, don't, I don't know what I don't want. I don't, I don't want the, the 12 was, team but, playoff. <laughs> I don't know what the spread was, but I'm taking Texas A&M and giving the points. That love love everyone. Love. No, they weren't that good. Not that good. But they, they gave Justin Fields fits. But I do like I do like the idea of like the two whiny teams that had lame playoff arguments yep. playing in the first round, and then Ohio State just an Ohio State Indiana rematch in the quarterfinal is enough for me to I'm out. out. Not even one. That's, that's his call about the end of the game. I'm out. <laughs> the great the great Indiana achievement in football of like the last fifty years, where they got down by thirty five points to Ohio State. And then Just didn't even the tie ball. the game. <laughs> the wow. greatest loss in Hoosiers history. Uh, all right. Paint a mural to that. 2021 would have been super freaking weird. Ohio State would have been the seven seed and would have hosted Michigan State like four weeks after beating Michigan State by 90. Yeah. Been like, oh, who wants to see this game? It was like worse than a Rutgers game. So I've been like, okay, I guess we're doing this again. And then they would have played number two Michigan in the quarters. So oh, like Michigan State, Michigan, Michigan State, Michigan. Yeah. It's like yeah. a series. That sounds awful to me. Like, okay, so Ohio State gets in instead of not getting in. That sounds awful. Like we're doing this again. Yeah. Like, as you said, because it's like Michigan, this is clear the thing of like, hey, Michigan got to be in a semifinal, but now they have to beat Ohio State twice. And if Ohio State goes and loses – that doesn't even matter because now they just have to beat Michigan in the rematch and Ohio State gets to go to the semifinal. Like there's a part of that that doesn't seem fair. So, now, I know it happens in the NFL, but like we're not used to that. That well, it's the NFL, twice. Go ahead. It's the NFL is a much more compacted group of teams, too. You've only got 32 teams to pick from. And one of the great things about all um college postseasons, whether you're talking about within the conference or oftentimes it might be a team you didn't play during the regular season that you're playing from the other division for the championship. So you're getting some unknown there. And then every bowl game and the playoffs, it's it's national. So to go back to the point I brought up earlier about the differences in the tournaments, I almost wonder if they should have included an element that corrected for conference rematches, because it's one of the great things about the college football postseason is that it's it's you're going to play somebody you don't know it's it's new and it's a little bit exciting that way i remember when i covered high school sports a, a team that like finally made the playoffs in illinois after a long time and their reward was to like go play a team from their conference that had already beaten them by like 50 points in the first round of the playoffs they're like don't like send us six hours to the other side of the state to go play somebody we've never heard of like that's the that's the experience of making the playoff and getting your butt kicked it's not getting your butt kicked again so if, I, I, I wonder if they should have that, that tweak. I think this playoff would have created the the demand to hey finagle this going. Because listen, so this is what the, these are what the quarterfinals. This is what the quarterfinals would have been last year. Yeah. If the if the favorite teams would have won in the first round, one eight would have been Alabama Ole Miss conference rematch. Mm-hmm. Two Michigan seven Ohio State conference rematch. Three Cincinnati, six Notre Dame already played, played the defining game of Cincinnati's history as a program. Mm -hmm. And then four or five would have been Baylor, Georgia. So three of the four quarterfinals would have been rematches when, when the first games already were defining. So I do think it's one of these things is we've learned this. 
the playoff will be like, oh, well, no, we're not doing that. Right up until they're like, we're changing. So I think, Stephen, you might be right that like not just Ohio State, Michigan, but the idea that last year would have been filled with rematches that nobody wanted might have led to a change. It, it really might have. And we might have to go through that yeah. before we get a change here because what, what they're saying fix it before it's an actual problem. You've got to I mean, let you, it become a you could, well, you could, you could, you could it, but they're not going to do that. They're going to no. let it be a problem so we can complain about it all offseason. And then, like, on a Friday night in like August, they're going to come out and say, We have a new amended to the, to the playoff. We because will now I, finagle things in basketball. They finagle, and I understand it's, yes. it's different, but they admit they, they move a seed up or down to finagle yeah. some stuff with conferences, and this is different. I acknowledge it, but because Nathan, like on the call, they were pretty strong on this, like, we're not doing it. Yep. You know, like it was like the answer was no, but I think living in the world where last year would have happened, it could push it towards yes, we're going to finagle. Well, and again, we don't know what the people in the room would have done on their own to finagle because we even talked about this when we were picking our teams for the four playoff teams where I was talking about how, well, I think Alabama and Georgia might both be undefeated and go to the SEC championship game. So then where do they seed them? And they're like, well, they're not going to they're not going to seed them for a rematch. They're going to they'll fix that in the room. So I wonder if some of this would have gotten fixed in the room if there would have been a little tweak in the room by the voters. You could have, instead of six Notre Dame, seven Ohio State, you could have gone six Ohio State, seven Notre Dame. And all of a sudden, you've got one quarterfinal that's Cincinnati, Ohio State, and another quarterfinal that's Michigan, Notre Dame. So all of a sudden, you turn two weird rematches into two let's go kind of games. So I think you might be right, Nathan. Solve the problem yourself. No, 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 no. We would never do that. Four people go get coffee. Over yeah. And they're like, hey, let's all make Ohio State ahead of Notre Dame. This doesn't make any sense. And listen, to like put rules in it that would have governed this, like I, I think they're expanding the 12 in some ways to take out some of the arguments and the belly aching. And now you start putting in things where people start moving around and now an SEC team gets – it looks like a more favorable thing for them. And now people are complaining. I think they want none of that. I think they want – you know, do it like you write your saying, like under the table in the committee room. Don't do it out in front of everybody. And if you slide Ohio State up to six to avoid a Michigan rematch instead of seven, you know who their first round game is instead of Michigan State? Utah. <laughs> so it's like, okay. Like oh, that's, well, that would look a lot different because then it's like Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave are playing and no, Haskell Garrett's playing. So, but all of a sudden now you make the path Utah Cincinnati instead of Michigan State Michigan. Yeah. And boy, doesn't that seem much more fun for everybody. And more to Nathan, what you're talking about, the spirit of what this is, which is, Yes, it's the best teams, but a lot of it is, aren't we going to get some cool new matchups out of this? Not a repeat of we, the last two teams we played the last two weeks. All right, that's our playoff discussion. It was fun to run through it. I'll be curious to see what people have to say. Texters, if you want to let us know what you think, 614-350-3315. The world is a-changing, and Buckeye Talk will be here uh, to change with it. Not really. We're just going to keep doing the same thing, but at least it's something new to talk about. We'll be right back after this on Buckeye Talk. Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the Icon of Vacations, Icon of the Seas, arriving in 2024. Book today. 
Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. We're back. It's Nathan again. We're going to wrap up with a couple of thoughts from some of the things that we saw around the country. I'm not going to rehash my top 25 poll. It's something I do a little bit with Doug, but we talked about it after the game, actually, probably too much. <laughs> and I texted with people about it plenty today. 614-350-3315. Good time to get the texts. I know we push them a lot. All of you who have subscribed, we really appreciate it. And I was having some great conversations on there today. Sunday, I'm sitting on the couch with my four-month-old son and uh, watching Justin Fields and the Bears play. And, you know, the Bears were not doing too well. They're playing basically in a game that I think would have made Noah cringe and it's ugly. And I said something snarky on Twitter, like the first team to two is going to win this. And then uh, my wife brought uh, Bennett, my son, into the room at some point. And Bennett doesn't care about the Bears yet. And sometimes when I watch the Bears play, I hope he never will. But uh, when she brought him in, all of a sudden, uh, Justin Fields had that play where he scrambles out to his uh, out into the flats and something breaks down and a guy's standing wide open and they complete a long pass. And all of a sudden they're scoring. They get in the end zone. And then a couple of minutes later, they do it again. And it was like, Bennett was the good luck charm. So we'll, we'll give him some credit for that. I was responsible for a lot of Bears losses over the course of my life, probably, uh, by just being alive. And so far, he's 1-0. So um, that, that part was fun. But as I was doing that, I was, I was texting back and forth with some uh, of our – subscribers and some of it was about the AP poll and some of it was just about things that we were watching during the game, but it's a good time to get the, the, the text because it's a two week free trial. You can get actually, this would be perfect. Like get it for this week going into Toledo. You'll get all the updates. As soon as we hear something about Jackson Smith and Jigba or something else like that, it's coming right to the text. That's the first place we do not Twitter. We don't go write a post about it. We text about it. Text. I was doing a uh, feature story on Perry Eliano. It's going to run early this week. And I was doing interviews with coaches and I was texting stuff right after I got off the phone with those guys. Like, that's what we like to do, like to bring it to you, like as it's happening. So get that for the Toledo week. And then you'll have it also, it's a two week free trial. You get it all the way leading into the Wisconsin game, which will be, again, I know that they stunk. They did not look good. Uh, that's not a game they should lose at home to Washington state, but it's a good defense with a good defensive coordinator, Jim Leonard. And it's one of the best running backs in the country, Braylon Allen. It's been demonstrated, even if he didn't have a great game against Washington State. So not a game that I think Ohio State can take for granted. And we'll have a lot of intel leading into that game as well. But back to the poll, the conversation I'm not going to have about the poll. But one thing I just wanted to bring up again, a lot of texters complaining about Alabama getting more credit for beating an unranked Texas team on the road than Ohio State did for beating a top five Notre Dame team at home. And again, that's not how people would rank those teams today. Ohio State, go back to last season. Ohio State didn't get credit for only beating the Michigan State team that beat Michigan last year. It got credit for beating that team, plus the Michigan State team that lost to Purdue, plus the one that Ohio State was leading 49 to nothing at halftime. Everything is a moving target. Everything is a it's it's a sum of the parts. And a lot of people, again, were like kind of pushing back at me, like, how are you moving this around? Because 
uh, Alabama beat an unranked Texas team and you penalized Ohio State for beating a ranked the number five team. I'm like, well, no, it doesn't really. It's not really penalizing anybody. That's not how that works. But number two, I actually did have Texas ranked. I had them in my top 20 last week. It's not me patting myself on the back. It's just me saying I'm not looking for a brownie button. I'm just saying I think some of the reactions to this game nationally were influenced by the point spread. Stephen A. Smith had something saying Bama would be up by 30 or whatever. Uh, again, it's 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 all relative. It's it, you, it's weird how beating a team with that ranking lives on forever. Uh, in a in a in a way, but, but Notre Dame having that number five next to their name doesn't make them any less zero and two this week. Doesn't make their offense any less inept this week. Uh, going back to Alabama, Texas, though, I, I got to rewatch at least some of the highlights. Uh, the Quinn Ewers injury changed that game. It, they found out today he's going to be out four to six weeks with an SC sprain in his shoulder. So uh, not going to get to really see him, and that is potentially going to interrupt whatever momentum Alabama or Texas was going to try to build off of this. Some texters tossing at us, hey, how's your Heisman pick on Will Anderson looking? Uh, not great. He hasn't been that special very far. Uh, not statistically, not in terms of things like the PFF grade that I mentioned before, uh, not very special. And, you know, I, I, guys like that get a lot of attention from opposing offenses. They get schemed, in, but so did Chase Young. And I watched Chase Young just commit violence every Saturday with that kind of attention. The, the double teams and the, the special attention that the uh, other offenses could give him. And that's not really happening with Will Anderson right now. He's not like overcoming that. So it's only two games. We'll, we'll see what happens, but uh, the, the Heisman uh, momentum is not there early for him. Shall we say uh, people did point out how sloppy the Alabama offense or the whole game was. They definitely got bailed out by a controversial call. Uh, I won't get into all the specifics of that. There was a thing in the end zone. Was it, uh, safety was it grounding was it it, it was just a, a messy call that they didn't really have a great resolution for in real time and Alabama had 15 penalties for 100 yards in this game and what I wrote immediately after the game was uh, the Ohio State game the Ohio State Arkansas State game was a little uh, harsh for people I think a little too critical and I guess my only point would be like that's the cautionary tale this Alabama game is a little bit the cautionary tale like at some point, Ohio State's going to have to go on the road or maybe even a home and play a team the caliber of that Texas team, which, again, I thought was like one of the top 20 teams in the country and still do. I still have them ranked in the top 20. We'll see how that goes over the course of 12 games. But you can't be committing whatever they had. What was it? Nine penalties for 85 yards like and, and giving away possessions like that's how you blow a season. You blow a game you should otherwise win. It doesn't always have to be those like schematic breakdowns you can do a lot of other good things have big scoring plays have the bend but don't break defense but if you give an opponent that's competent on offense enough extra chances they're going to take advantage of it so bama shouldn't have had to come down to a last field goal to to win to to win that game probably they probably should have won it more comfortably the reason they did because they were uh, sloppy and undisciplined and some of the things we saw from Ohio State yesterday frankly but Ohio State was doing it against Arkansas State and was able to win 45 to 12 the Notre Dame Marshall game, yeah, it, it, that does take some luster off the Ohio State win. We've already talked about that uh, because it happened early enough yesterday that Steve and I got to discuss it a lot on the pod. But uh, I, I wanted to look at the pro football focus grades on Notre Dame this year to see if it's cosmetic, if it's just weird that they're losing these games. So their overall team grade 
And this is like just grading all of the teams in FBS. So there are however many that is. I, I can't even I don't remember how many it is. It's 131, I think. Doug and uh on the other show. Yeah, 131. Oh, I just actually got another piece of data to give you by looking that up. 131 teams. Uh, Notre Dame ranks 121st in its overall team grade right now from Pro Football Focus. That's behind Rice, who uh, Doug was lighting up for how terrible they were because they played USC early on uh, on the playoff, uh, the Survivor Show. Uh, it's behind Utah State, the team that lost 55 to nothing to Alabama in the first week. Uh, it's behind, uh, boy, just some other just garbage teams. I'm sorry, like no offense to anybody, but man, there's some bad teams here. Um, really bad. And 121st overall grade, overall offense, defense, everything together, overall grade. On the offense, 112th overall, and the run offense is 123rd. And again, I'm not, yes, I'm telling you the pro football focus grades and then telling you not to take them as the full gospel. Let them be. Let, this is only. It's a small sample size, two games in. But I want to emphasize that this is grade and not production, because production would say production would be bad if you were playing a uh, a really good defense. Your run production might not be good, but your grade could still be good f for that game because it accounts. These kind of systems account for how good that defense is. For instance, when you see every year teams like Wisconsin and Iowa that are ranked so high in defense and have, you know, this great run defense, they actually do have pretty good run defense. I'm not saying they don't, but this concept that they're like super elite at it is sometimes influenced, whether it's against the run or the pass, usually they're ranked pretty well in both is influenced by the lack of dynamic offense that you see in the West. Right. We've talked about that on the podcast before. So that's why I think grade is sometimes uh, more useful than production. And when I do talk about defense on this podcast, you'll hear me talk about yards per play and things like that, not just the aggregate yards per game, that sort of thing. So anyway, in conclusion, Notre Dame's offense is atrocious right now. It's awful. They can't run the ball. Uh, they have no healthy receivers. Uh, the tight end is getting just uh, copious, huge amounts of attention from every defense they play, and uh, it's not going anywhere. And uh, that team does not look uh, very special right now. I've used that word a few times today. And I know that that's uh, kind of a, a very eye of the beholder thing, but people kind of know special when they see it and it ain't Notre Dame right now. So that performance by the Ohio State defense was a, it was a great start, but I don't think it's going to hold up as like the example of whether this defense is good or not. Ohio State's going to have to bring it against uh bring it at a better level than that against a better offense at some point in order to to win a, a a losable game and the last team we want to talk about here is michigan and hawaii last game we talked about this going in because there was going to be the quarterback decision for uh professor khaki jim harbaugh and he made it uh, J.J. McCarthy, uh, looking back at this game, I thought he looked pretty poised and confident. Frankly, he looked like someone who already knew he had won the job. He looked like he knew that if he went in and uh, tasted the rainbow, so to speak, against the, the golden rainbows there of Hawaii, that he was going to keep that job. 
he had completed 11 of 12 passes and the one that was incomplete was a drop. And, you know, we talked after the game or talked to Wayne in the game, I should say that Doug and I were talking about it. He was bringing up how this reminded him of the Ohio state uh, situation in 2015. How there was a game against Hawaii that year. How that's when it got weird. And I said that I didn't have a problem with what Harbaugh was doing as long as they played these two games. McNamara, Cade McNamara started the first game. JJ McCarthy started the second game. And then you name a quarterback, you name a starter. And he did. He said immediately after the game, Saturday night, um, that JJ McCarthy is starting in week three. Now, there, I think there was that caveat on it. I think he said he's starting next week. So Ohio State fans should probably root for Harbaugh to keep dropping that one-week caveat. It's the only way it kind of becomes a fiasco at this point. Otherwise, I think this is a pretty good quarterback of a pretty good team. And I was a little bit lukewarm on Michigan coming into the season. And I'm coming around that I was probably a little bit low on them. I have the number four in my poll right now. Most people do. That's kind of becoming the consensus top four, I think. And, uh, man, that'd be kind of fun, actually. Uh, 11-0 and 11-0 and and, and meeting at Ohio Stadium to uh, decide the game. I think that would be a a pretty fun Thanksgiving weekend because I, I don't, again, I don't have the emotion tied into it. I'm just uh, the guy who wants to write about fun games. But as I said, I got another data point when I was looking at these pro football focus things. I wanted to emphasize to you that Hawaii is the, like the worst team. Like they're just so bad. So they crushed Hawaii, but uh, they're actually ranked 131st in their overall pro football focus grade. So again, take some of what we've seen from Michigan with a little bit of grain of salt. They've played nobody as much as I was talking about how Ohio State's win over Notre Dame doesn't look as good. Uh, Hawaii's worse than Notre Dame. Hawaii's worse than Arkansas State. Uh, maybe quite a bit worse, actually. So Michigan still has to get on a field with somebody good and 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 do it there, too. And uh, right now, again, it's all still just trying to get a little bit of a glimpse of uh, what do we see now? What's the little snapshot now? that shows us what this is all going to look like in November. And if for Ohio state, I think it's just a matter of uh, building on momentum last year. The, they had momentum coming out of Minnesota. They had a good second half at Minnesota. Trevin Henderson had already kind of started flashing against Minnesota. Uh, the, the receivers were already receivers and Stroud looked like he was going to build some confidence. We didn't know about the injury or at least the extent of it at that time. And then they lost all momentum against Oregon. Like they, they got smacked in the face. The Tulsa game was terrible. They sit Stroud for a week. And then you didn't really get to restart the momentum until midseason. And even when it, and then it looked like they had built it back, actually. It looked like, you know, that, that first half against Michigan State was like the crescendo into this team has taken off. And that's where you saw how much that first loss had cost them and just give them no margin for error against Michigan. So now, I think Michigan and Ohio State are both on a mission right now. I I, I still don't know Michigan versus Penn State. I'm still higher on Penn State than a lot of other voters are. A lot of other uh, people are. I just I I think that defense is potentially really talented. They had a tough, uh, close win at Purdue to open the year on a Thursday night. Does that sound familiar? Like that's very similar to what Ohio State had to go to Minnesota last year and do. And uh, while Penn State has a old, not as good quarterback as opposed to Ohio State's young, very dynamic quarterback that they had last year. 
uh, still, it's just a wonky road trip into the West and against an interesting coach with an interesting, or at least a, an experienced quarterback. And it was, I think it was 35-31. But that's still, if you were to go out and rank the best wins in the country so far this year, like Penn State winning at Purdue might be in like the top 25. If you just go look at like power ratings and where Purdue is, go look at like T-Shoes power ratings. Like I'm not saying that they're ranked among the elite teams, but there aren't that many people who've had to go on the road and beat a team that would even rank in like the top 40 in the country so far. So uh, Penn State is still a, a team that I'm curious about. And I think the winner of that game, the Penn State-Michigan game, um, is uh, the, the threat for Ohio State. So Ohio State just has to worry about itself. And I think that they can, if if they and Michigan get to an 11-0, 11-0 scenario, I think just looking across the country, like teams I'm ranking right in that next tier, Clemson has some issues. Oklahoma, are they that good? I don't know. We're kind of trying to figure some things out. There's some SEC teams that are actually going on the road and beating some teams. Uh, you know, um, uh, Arkansas has a good win now. Um, Florida has a good win, uh, but then Florida also uh, just dropped one. So it's it's there's some teams in the mix there, but I don't know if anybody's – they may just all end up beating up on each other, and can anybody afford that – nobody's going to be able to afford that second loss. So just I was a little bit skeptical of the Ohio State-Michigan concept to start the year, both of those teams getting into a playoff. Uh, it's starting to come around on it, and and then you then you let yourself have some real fun and think about like, okay, well, uh, you, you play the game Thanksgiving weekend, and then you play a national championship in in late January. Uh, that would be quite an event here, and we're getting way ahead of ourselves, but just one of those fun things to sort of uh, fan fiction about uh, as you're going about your week. That's it for this episode of Buckeye Talk. We will be back uh, Tuesday. That'll be Doug by himself. Uh, doing the rants, doing the from the texters. So again, another reason to sign up for the text because you can send your rants to him, your your just your your takes, and he kind of runs those down with that podcast. And also, been doing that Hey Nathan segment every Friday. If you got a Hey Nathan question, just say on the texts Hey Nathan, and uh, use your put a name and an address or not an address. <laughs> yes, a name and an address. Just put a name and a city in there, state, however you want to do it. Some identifier. Uh, and because we just like it to be a little bit personal, you say, Hey, Nathan, I say like, Hey, Brutus or whatever your name is. And, and we go from there. So thanks for listening. I'm Nathan Baird for cleveland.com. And that was Buckeye talk. Buckeye talk.